Hey everybody, you're listening to the Clearer Thinking Podcast from Grace Valley Church in Dundas. I'm your host, Paul Vandenbrink, the lead pastor of Grace Valley Church. Thanks for listening. All right, guys, so what I want to do in this week's episode is I want to revisit how Naaman responds to his cleansing in the story from Sunday. Remember he dips himself in the Jordan River seven times, and after the seventh humiliating time, he's finally clean. And this is, this is his moment of conversion. And we know that because he immediately goes back to Elisha and he says, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. And as I said on Sunday, that is an absolutely astounding statement for him to say, I am now a monotheist. That is, I believe that there is only one God in the entire world, and that God is the God of Israel. You know, I'm reading a really interesting book right now by a guy named Tom Holland. Tom Holland is a British secular historian. He is a gay atheist intellectual who has written a pretty incredible book called Dominion, How the Christian Revolution Remade the World. Now, Remember, he's not a Christian. In fact, he has reasons to be kind of anti-Christian. But in this book, a 600-page long book, he traces how Western civilization was shaped by a Christian worldview and how basically all the good things we value in Western culture today come from Christianity. Remember, he's not a Christian. And he says, actually, the first step in that whole journey and the transformation of Western culture, the very first step was the introduction of monotheism by the Jews. It was completely unheard of at the time of Naaman for any nation to believe that there was only one God. And, and yet, Naaman was converted. This sophisticated pagan from Syria embraces the God of Israel. Wow. Now, more specifically, what I want to do is I want to think a a bit more about what Naaman does after his conversion, because I think that it could be really helpful for a lot of you guys who are listening and, and helpful in this way. One of the hardest things to do as a Christian is to figure out how in the world to be a Christian, how to behave like a Christian, how to act like a Christian, especially in the workplace. Uh, Most of you work in secular environments, either as an employee or even as an employer. You're an employer in in a company, in in the secular world, and you have lots of secular employees, non-believing employees. And even if that's not the case, you interact with secular businesses, secular customers, etc., all the time. My point is simply, we don't live in a Christian culture, right? We live in a secular culture as Christians. And that means we have to think hard about how to handle ourselves in that culture. And I think Naaman provides a a helpful balance in that regard. I don't think you get all the answers, uh, but I do think there's some things worth thinking about. And we also get some great encouragement from Elisha as well. So, Let's have a look at this. In in 2 Kings 5, verses 17 and 18, Naaman says to Elisha this. He says, Please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, 
For your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimmon to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, and I have to bow there also, when I bow down in the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. And then in verse 19, Elisha says, go in peace. Now, all right, notice a few things. First of all, Naaman plans to go back to his homeland and back to his job. He does not say to Elisha, hey man, listen, I want to stay here with you guys. I want to stay here with you. I want to become an Israelite. I want to live in the land where God is with the people of God and I want to get away from the wicked world I came from. In other words, he does not try to cut himself off from the pagan secular world that he's a part of. He doesn't completely withdraw. He's even going back to work, back to his old job. And I'm sure uh, that some of you, sometimes anyway, for some of you, the thought of just getting out of your secular workplace is really attractive. And there may be occasions and there may be circumstances that make it completely reasonable to do that. Maybe it's even wise to do that. But this shows us, this thing that Naaman does, this behavior of Naaman, it shows us that there are times and places where it's quite okay and in fact may even be wise to stay where you are working or to continue in a system or an industry that sometimes feels like a real challenge to your faith. But note that Naaman doesn't just stay at work. He does more. The whole thing about the dirt is pretty interesting. I did a bunch of research on this and uh, admittedly scholars aren't entirely sure what's going on here. Naaman wants to take dirt back to Syria so that when the time comes to sacrifice and it's time for him to kneel down at the sacrifice, he'll kneel down on Israelite soil. Now, what's that all about? Well, back then, remember, it was believed that gods were regional and, or national even. They had their place of power and those places were geographic in nature. So when Naaman asked for the dirt, it might be because of his superstitious pagan past. You know, he thinks that there's something holy about the, the land of Israel and he's trying to take it with him. And that could be true. But I want us to see something else about the request. And it's this. Naaman plans to make his faith public. He's not hiding it. He's not keeping it private. He's not saying, I am now a follower of the God of Israel. But I'm just going to keep that faith private and practice it in the confines of my own home or my own little religious community. He's telling Elisha he plans to go public with his faith. Um, the god Rimmon was like the national god of the Syrian people. He was their top god, if you will. And so when Naaman says that he wants to bring dirt back, he's saying that when it comes time for the people to bow to Rimmon, He's going to throw down his dirt, he's going to kneel on that dirt, and he's going to show the people that, yes, he lives in Syria, yes, he works in Syria, and yes, he may even love his country, Syria, but he only 
worships the true God. And he is not going to hide that. He's not going to keep that to himself. I remember uh, when I was a teenager, around 15, 16 years old, that was a tough time for me, admittedly, that age, 15, 16, whew. I was a pretty insecure teen, man. Wow. And, you know, for a while I hung out with a lot of kids who weren't Christians. They didn't go to my Christian school. Um, I knew them from sports or from work. Uh, I, I worked in my parents' grocery store, and, of course, we would hire all kinds of people to work there, including kids from town, and uh, I'd get to know them and become friends with them. And I'm ashamed to admit this, but... At that time, I often hid my faith, if I had a faith. Uh, I, I think I kind of did, but I, I hid it. Um, kids would ask me what school I went to, and I'd say, I go to a private school. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even say a Christian school. Uh, if I couldn't do things on Sunday, it wasn't because I was a Christian or because I went to church. I always had other excuses to give. And that is not Naaman's problem. You know, he's, he's bold, right? But he's not a jerk. He, he see, you see the balance? On the one hand, he doesn't withdraw from this world that he comes from. But on the other hand, he doesn't privatize his faith either. He's got balance. Okay, one more thing. He says, remember he says, May the Lord forgive your servant this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimmon to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm and I have to bow there also. When I bow down in the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Now, is Naaman asking Elisha for an excuse to be a coward? Like, is he afraid he'll lose his job, this high-ranking post he has in the government? Or is he just struggling to figure out how to handle a difficult situation like is he he's just maybe he's just afraid that the king is going to be angry if he refuses to bow down to this local god and you know we expect elisha to give him some much needed instruction on the first commandment you know you shall have no other gods before me but elisha simply says go in peace in other words yeah, that's a problem. You're going to have to work that out. <laughs> and in fact, as the story continues, Elisha is a lot harder on his servant Gehazi for secretly getting some money from Naaman than he is on Naaman's incipient idolatry. So what's going on here? Well, think about your own circumstances. None of us are probably thinking about bowing down in some pagan temple, but lots of us face the same kinds of issues Naaman faced in our own lives, not just at work, but in pretty much every area of our lives. And Elisha doesn't give Naaman any clear direction. He simply says, go in peace. It's a word of grace. It's a word that says to Naaman, that's tough, man, <laughs> but listen, God will guide you. And if you do mess things up, if you do find yourself turning red-faced with shame as you bow in the temple of Rimmon, you're covered. It's not an excuse to sin because you will have to figure out what to do about it. But 
you're covered. What great balance from Elisha. You know, it's a sign that as we try to figure out how best to follow Jesus in our lives, we will all fail and we will all need the grace of God to get up again and to set our feet on the path of faith and obedience. And one more thing about Elisha's simple go in peace. It's the acknowledgement that life is filled with big and little moral decisions about which it is hard to know what to do. We face them all the time. How do I discipline my kids well? How do I know when I'm supposed to be tough or gentle? How do I help someone in need without enabling their bad behavior? How much can I overlook the shady business practices of the company I work for, even though I'm not directly responsible for them? Often our choices are not between good and bad, right and wrong, but between better or worse. And only you can decide. Sometimes you'll be right. Sometimes you'll be wrong. And sometimes you won't know which. And Elisha says, go in peace. Life is not easy. You're not perfect. The life of faith is full of stumbles and even disastrous falls. But the God of Israel is the God of all grace. So go in peace. All right, gang. That's it for this week. Hope you're encouraged by this story in 2 Kings 5. I know I sure am. And I look forward to seeing you again or talking to you again next time. Take care. Take care.